unprepared as I am to speak. You know, I, I'm used to getting a bigger laugh than that. That's much better. Thank you very much. Lord, uh, I pray that you would anoint the delivery of this message, and I believe that this message was chosen by you. Uh, I pray, Lord, that uh, it would have meaning for people who are hearing it, each person with its own need. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Reflecting back to when I was a new believer, a single verse of scripture stands out as having been particularly influential in my spiritual growth. It is Genesis 5, verse 24. In the NIV, it's rendered this way. Enoch walked with God, then he he was no more because God took him away. I was impacted by that scripture in a profound way. And, and I thought to myself, yes, that is what I want my relationship with God to be. To walk with him as Enoch did. Yeshua gave us the way for our, our sins to be forgiven and for us to have eternal life, but the larger picture of what he did for us is that he brought us into a new covenant, a new way of relating to God, a way in which the average man and woman can walk with God as Enoch did and be closer to him than man has been able since Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 3, 8, we read, they heard the voice of Adonai walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. That was how it was supposed to be for Adam's and Eve's children as well. But we know what happened. Adam sinned against God, was ejected from the garden, and until, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> and until recently, we who are descended from Adam have been kept at a distance. Through God's grace, we did not lose our relationship with him entirely, but for many years lost our ability to be close and familiar with him as a child is supposed to be with his father. God continued to hear us, but we lost our ability to hear him. And without the help of intermediaries whom God chose from time to time. So, so God spoke through men like, like Noah and Abraham and Moses and David and others whom we call prophets. And in order to hear from God, we had to go through them. 
Well, that was the state of affairs up to and all during the Mosaic Covenant. But during that covenant, God spoke something startling through Jeremiah. He said, Here the days are coming, says Adonai, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Yehuda. It will not be like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt because they, for they part, violated my covenant, even though I, for my part, was a husband to them, says Adonai. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says Adonai. I will, I will put my Torah within them and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And no longer will any of them teach his fellow community member or his brother, saying, No, Adonai, for all will know me from the least of them to the greatest, because I will forgive their wickednesses and remember their sins no more. Now, for those who lived in Jeremiah's time and heard those words spoken, how and when the prophesied new covenant would come to pass must have been a great mystery. But we are blessed to be living centuries later when we know how it was given. It was through God's son, Yeshua, the incarnation of God himself, our Messiah, he sacrificed himself for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could once again draw close to God and not only speak to him, but also hear him speak to us. And from John 16, 5 to 14, we know that God accomplished it through the Holy Spirit whom he sent to earth to reside among us. Yeshua explained it to his disciples this way. He said, but now I am going to the one who sent me. Not one of you is asking me, where are you going? Instead, because I have said these things to you, you are overcome with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the comforting counsel will not come to you. However, if I do go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will show you that the world is wrong about sin and about righteousness, about judgment, about, about sin in that people don't put their trust in me and about righteousness in that I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me and about judgment in that the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. However, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but will say only what he hears. He will also announce to you the events of the future. He will glorify me because he will receive from what is mine and announce it to you. Now, Yeshua's word came to pass that Shavuot when the Holy Spirit fell on those who were assembled in Jerusalem. We read it about it in Acts 2. And from that day to this, he has been ministering to us and living among us 
through his presence, and we were once again able to hear God directly through the Holy Spirit. And let us not forget Yeshua's part in it, even today, for Hebrews 8.6 says, but now the work of Yeshua has been given to do, uh, uh, what the, the work has been given to do is far superior to theirs, just as the covenant he mediates is better. Well, this covenant has been given as Torah on the basis of better promises. Truly, the new covenant is a better covenant because through it, we can draw close to God and walk with him in ways in which our ancestors could only dream. Yeshua identified his blood, which was about to be shed, with the new covenant when in his last Passover meal, he took the wine cup and he gave it to his disciples and he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. So does this renewed ability to hear God make us all prophets? In a sense, yes, and in a sense, no. I'll try to explain, but the explanation requires that I first share a bit more of the biblical uh, prophetic background. Since the fall of Adam, God has always given certain persons the ability to hear his voice so that he could speak through them. We call those persons prophets. Even when the Bible does not name them as such, but beginning with Abraham, God began to use the term and made the office of prophet an official part of the covenant that he made through Moses. So Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, they were all prophets. And they could all speak with God and, and then repeat to others what God said. And then when the office of prophet became institutionalized as part of the Mosaic Covenant, men who did not have the Holy Spirit upon them knew that they could routinely consult prophets who did. And, and through that indirect means could know God and know God's will for their lives. It is noteworthy that scripture gives Abraham and Moses special attention among the prophets. For in Isaiah 41.8 and repeated in James 2.23, God referred to Abraham as his friend. And later in Numbers 12.6-8, he said this to Moses. Listen to what I say. When there is a prophet among you, I, Adonai, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, but it isn't that way with my servant Moshe. He is the only one who is faithful in my entire household. With him, I speak face to face and clearly, not in riddles. He sees the image of Adonai. During the Mosaic Covenant, there were were an untold number of prophets available to the Israelites. And we know the names of some of them, especially those for whom books of the Bible are named. The prophets of the Mosaic Covenant 
were held to a very strict standard of accuracy and faithfulness. For we read in Deuteronomy 13, 2 to 6, if a prophet or someone who gets messages while dreaming arises among you and he gives you a sign of wonder and the sign of wonder comes about as he, uh, as he predicted when he said, when he said this, let's follow other gods. Oh, other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. You are not to listen to what that prophet or dreamer says. For Adonai, your God, is testing you in order to find out whether you really do love Adonai, your God, with all your heart and being. You are to follow Adonai, your God, and fear him, and obey his mitzvot, listen to what he says, serve him, and cling to him. And that prophet or dreamer is to be put to death. It's because he urged rebellion against Adonai, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, redeemed you from a life of slavery in order to seduce you away from the, uh, the path of Adonai, your God, as, as he ordered you to follow. That, that prophet had to die. This, the scripture, scripture says, is how you are to rid your community of this wickedness. We also read uh, in Deuteronomy 18.22, when a prophet speaks in the name of Adonai and the, uh, the prediction does not come true, that is, the word is not fulfilled. Notice the, di the difference here. The first prophet is, is leading away from God. He's bringing a different gospel, if you will. This this prophet that's being spoken of here is not like that. This prophet is just wrong. He's just wrong. So his word is not fulfilled. Then Adonai did not speak that word. The prophet who said it spoke presumptuously. You have nothing to fear from him. So that prophet is not to be put to death. Now these scriptures were given under the Mosaic Covenant. And what I really want to talk to you about is what Prophets and prophesying are like today. After quoting Jeremiah that God would make a new covenant with Israel and Judah, Hebrews 8.13 says this, By using the term new, he has made the first covenant old. And something being made old, something in the process of aging, is on its way to vanishing altogether. The book of Hebrews was written before the second temple was destroyed at the time of maximum overlap of the new and old covenants. Consequently, what was on its way to vanishing then is now even further along towards vanishing or it has already vanished. Either way, we should expect there to be significant differences in both prophecy and prophets in the new and the old covenants. And so there are. Consider first Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 13. It says this, Furthermore, he gave some people as emissaries, 
some as prophets, some as proclaimers of the good news, some as shepherds and teachers. Their task is to equip God's people for the work of service that builds the body of Messiah until we all arrive at the unity implied by trusting and knowing the Son of God at full manhood, at the standard of maturity set by Messiah's perfection. From that we can see that prophets have a very different function today than they had previously. And, and that is no doubt because today all of God's people can hear the voice of God and can prophesy to varying degrees through gifting of the Holy Spirit. Whereas previously, prophets were needed as intermediaries in conveying God's instructions to the common Israelite, today's prophets are mainly for the purpose of equipping God's people. God continues to speak to us through others, but he does so far less often than before because we can now hear God's voice for ourselves. Although our ability to hear God for personal direction is now available to all of us, the ability to prophesy, that is, speak, to God, speak God's words for the benefit of others, is a gift of the Holy Spirit that is given to some and not to others. We read in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11, Moreover, to each person is given the particular manifestation of the Spirit that will be for the common good. To one, through the Spirit, is given a word of wisdom. To another, a word of knowledge. It's in accordance with the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to judge between spirits. To another, the ability to speak in different kinds of tongues. And to yet another, the ability to interpret tongues. One and the same spirit is at work in all these things, distributing to each person as he chooses. And in Romans 12, 6, we read, but we have gifts that differ and which are meant to be used according to the grace that has been given to us. If your gift is prophecy, use it to the extent of your trust. So you see the, the gifts are different to different people. I hesitate to say that one spiritual gift is superior to another, but if I were to judge by the writings of Paul, prophecy would win hands down. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1-5, we read, Pursue love. However, keep on eagerly seeking the things of the Spirit. And then I'm going to skip down to, to the end of that section where it says, The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless someone gives an interpretation so that the congregation can be edified. 
Prophecy has never been without its problems. During the Mosaic Covenant, prophets that erred in their messages were defrocked, as we have read, and false prophets were stoned, as we have read. We don't stone false prophets anymore, but Peter wants us, uh, he warns us that they are still among us. They're active among us and they're dangerous. We read in 2 Peter 2, verses 1 to 3, but among the people there were also false prophets, just as there will be false teachers among you. Under false pretenses, they will introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them and thus bring on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their debaucheries and and because of them, the true way will be maligned. In their greed, they will exploit you with their fabricated stories. In Matthew 7, 15 to 16, beware of the false prophets. They come to you wearing sheep's clothing, but underneath they are hungry wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. In Matthew 14, 23 to 24, at that time, if someone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or, or there he is, there he is, don't believe him. For there will appear false messiahs and false prophets performing great miracles and amazing things so as to fool even the chosen, if that's possible. For that reason, we are instructed by 1 John 4, 1 to 6, to beware and not be taken in, and in all cases where prophecy is given, to test the spirits to determine whether they are from God or from the adversary. Finally and very important is that we remember that the new covenant, in the new covenant, the Holy Spirit is able to indwell each and every one of us, and each and every one of us can therefore receive from God and prophesy on at least some level. For most of us, the level of prophetic anointing will be modest, but for some of us it will be great and the words we speak in God's name will be accurate and carry great weight. Those of us who exhibit an exceptionally great anointing may even be recognized as new covenant prophets, though most of us will not. Messianic Jewish congregations who encourage their members to develop their prophetic abilities don't expect 100% accuracy but do hope for continuous growth in prophetic abilities. Yes, we take risks in allowing alleged prophetic words to be given, and for that reason, our elders must assume responsibility for testing each and every word that is spoken. We mostly do not encounter problems, but occasionally we do. When an elder receives excuse me, when an elder believes that a word has been spoken in error and it, uh, immediate correction is not needed, if he thinks they're not, it's not needed immediately, the elders the elder should confer with the giver of the word 
as soon as possible and pray and then render a judgment. And if they judge the word to be wrong or partially wrong, and it is of sufficient significance, they should correct the word. And if it was given publicly, uh, it should be corrected publicly. I hope that this brief explanation of prophecy in the New Covenant has been helpful and that this congregation's members will continue to develop in their prophetic anointing. Thank you, Lord, for um, giving me this message. I, I pray, Lord, that this would impact those here who have a need to have heard it. Thank you in the name of Yeshua.